Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. It's a blessing to be here again. I love this church. I love this city. I'll tell you, every time I'm in the hotel and I open up the the curtains and I see the mountains, I just feel so inspired. And uh, as Pastor Sam said, I do have uh, a fresh word for you. Uh, old principles, but fresh for this house. Um, I was I was telling Pastor Sam and Eliza last night, um, I used to uh, be a true teacher in the way I prepared the word. I would, you know, we were pastoring and uh, for 20 years. And um, so I would preach um, at least once or twice a month. And it was just like this big production you know, I had out, you know, uh, every book, every manual, every commentary, and they'd all be out all over my office. And I would fast and I would pray and I would lay on the floor to get the heart of God. And I mean, those are all good things. Um, but, you know, so by the time I preached, like I really didn't do much else that week. The kids would be like, oh, mom's preaching, like we're on our own, you know, because she's just got the word, you know, she's got to have the word. And so um, anyway, and then one Sunday, Dr. John Chacha, who's an exhorter, he came to our church and, you know, he had 5,000 Bible schools in Africa and he's from, he was from Tanzania and um He's sitting up front. He's got this three ring binder with these sheet protector pages in it. And he's just flipping through it. And he goes, nope, 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 maybe. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. And he's done. And I said, Dr. Chacha, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting a sermon for this morning. So immediately I'm suspicious of this word. No laying. No travailing. No sobbing, no fasting. What kind of word are you giving us? McDonald's? Where's the work, the effort, the labor, the blood, the sweat, the tears that prove to Jesus how sincere you are? What is this binder you bring in here, this false fire? Of course, I didn't say that. I just sat there. Oh, okay. Like a good Christian pastor. All this is going on in my heart. And so anyway, and so he said, I said, oh, I said, so that's kind of your thing? And he goes, yeah. He goes, what I do? He goes, he said, girl, I got a lot going on. He said, I got Bible schools, got my family. I preach all over the world. He said, "Um, so every year, the beginning of the year, I set aside a weekend and the Lord downloads my sermons for the year. And they're between three or seven, sometimes five sometimes 10. He said, I type them all up, put them in the pages. He said, then I just show up where I am. And I say, Lord, which one? Again, I am suspicious. And then he brought the word and I cried all through it because it was such a timely word and it was present truth. And, and, you know, I try, I I try to not just teach redemptive gifts. I try to learn from it as well. And I was like, okay, Lord, the exhorter is always saying, surely there's got to be a better way than all that you're got going on there. And, um, and, and I realized that, that I could trust the Lord to simplify what he was doing in my life 
that there was an easier way that that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, that doesn't mean there's no work, as our sister shared. There's work. But whenever we're yoked down in the work, something's wrong when it's not fun anymore. Exhorters run away when it's not fun. And we look at them and say, you have bad character. Well, sometimes. I mean, we do. Come on, let's just be honest, people. And, and sometimes, you know, they're just, you know, sometimes an immature exhorter is being lazy and doesn't want to carry their, their end. But, you know, there's a real truth in that. It's supposed to be a joyous thing to serve the Lord. It's supposed to be joyous even in. Happiness is, is, a, is what we really are looking for a lot of times. It's that temporary, yay, what a good feeling. But joy is something deeper. It's not momentary. It doesn't come and go. If you've been married any length of time, you have learned the value of joy when things are not happy. <laughs> One time I said to this, the, our pastor's father, they had been married like almost 70 years. They had gotten married young and they were aged and I was preaching on marriage. And I said, I called him out, you know, from the pulpit. And I said, right, Brother Joe. And I was saying something encouraging, but about how, you know, there's work. It's work. Marriage is a work. Church is a work. Ministry is work. And he, he said, well... It's been a struggle. And I was like, well, then every exhorter just said, I'm not getting married. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But the point is, is that I realized there could be joy. And as I began to walk in my own redemptive gift, the teachers, the third day, it's the land gift. And I realized that when I got on the land, I could, I could hear it. I could feel it, and I could hear what the Lord was saying to the land and what the original purposes were in the land. And so then I would start to listen, and I would listen, and I would get into the church and always get in the church early and walk the land and listen to the land and listen to the Father and then bring that word for this time for this church. And that was a whole lot easier. And at first I got real stressed about it because I was like, you know, gosh, what if God doesn't say anything and I don't prepare? And then I just stand up there like in my underwear. Oh, you know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> That's what my husband says. He said, if all else fails, go to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> the Lord is good all the time. All the time. The Lord is good. We know all the cheerleading. You know, we were in charismatic move. I mean, we can cheerlead for a whole 45 minutes if we had to. Um, and he said, so, you know, if God doesn't show up, well, he goes, which is not going to happen. He said, just default to cheerleading. Okay, great then. Good to know. So anyway, so I have a word for you today. And I really appreciate being invited back because when you come to a church and say, I think the Lord is saying it's time to change the name of the church. There's a very high probability at that point you're never getting asked back. And, and you just got to be willing to take that risk. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. You know what? I think the Lord wants to change the name of your church because, you know, it's no, it's no small task to change the name of a church. You know, besides the fact you have a legal paperwork, you have, you have the people who are used to the name and don't like change. What? Change what name? You have the stationery. You have all of the brochures and the materials. It's no small thing. So when you just pop up and say, the Lord said, I was walking the land this week and I heard you're supposed to change the name. Chances are extremely high. You're never walking that land again. 
So I'm just excited to be inside, you know, welcome back in spite of that. So I have a word for you today. I had a dream about the church last night, um, excited about that. And, uh, and there's three things the Lord told me in this season of transition you're in that the church is going to be here. And they are not limited to those three things, but I am going to share them. Uh, I'm going to share them at the end. Uh, but there were three specific, I know, see, now you can't leave. Ha, 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 right? <laughs> Tell me my exhorter's not high today. Woo! <laughs> I'm killing it. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and bring up the presentation there. Uh, maturity. What? I'm going to talk about maturity today and everybody who was just expecting like something amazingly fantastic, go to the next slide, please, said, what? And now she's not even going to tell us the three things she saw to the end. There's nothing worse, which anyone can tell you, when you go to an inner healing or a counseling appointment with people who move in the miraculous, and you go in there hoping, expecting, I mean, there have been times that I have clapped my hands and things have broken off people that have been on them for years, like like invisible prisons they've been in. And and it's and and I, I clap my hands and it broke off them and they were free, not for that moment, not for an hour, but forever. And and there were times where I turned people when the Holy Spirit told me to one way or another and, and direction change for them and life change for them and, and doors open to blessing. And we've had all kinds of miraculous things. And so people, when they get in with an inner healer or a deliverance minister or a, ch or a church counselor, they're like anticipating, whoo, we're going to see the prophet, y'all. We're going to see the prophet. Get a gift. Let's go. Got the gift. Let's get it. And, they, and they're ready. And a lot of them fast and pray and even have a production to get ready. And then you get in there for your moment with God, your power encounter. And the prophet says, oh, this is a maturity issue. Everybody's like, what? What? I don't want to talk about maturity. I want to talk about God's storehouse and the blessing and the provision and the excitement. I don't want to talk about that other thing. Except the problem is, is the other thing. Is the key to the other things. Let's keep going. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Therefore is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Next slide. You have an inheritance. Yay! Next slide. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he is the owner of everything, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the date set by his father. Now, let me tell you, saints, when you find out, when you come to Christ and you realize that you have an inheritance, this is a big deal for someone like me, someone who came from the background I have of brokenness and having a mentally ill mother. And, you know, I've, I've shared with you before my first memory is her putting the gun on my chest 
saying, mommy's going to show you how the gun works. And then she turned me over and put it in my back. And then she couldn't kill me. So she shot herself. And this is how my, this is my entrance to the world of memory. And, and from that point on, then I was sent to live with her mom and my step-grandfather, who not only abused me himself, but trafficked me among truck drivers. So when I say I had a rough way to go, I did. But there's not that many. Today, as our sister can share with you, a lot of drug-addicted drug women in the prison, what, we're a dime a dozen these days, right? I mean, it's sad to say, but there's a lot of young women who come into, and young men, that come into the kingdom with basically nothing but despair and loss and, and brokenness. We're not coming from well-to-do families with an, with an expectation, with an inheritance. So to find out you're an heir, you're the seed of Abraham, you have an inheritance, well, that sounds super cool. I have a friend. She, it, her parents are, are, are really wealthy. And, um, but they have a lot of struggle in their family, and there's five adult siblings. And the parents are going to be passing soon. And so now, like the adult siblings and the parents are trying to work out all the land they own and the money and the businesses. And, you know, it's complicated when you have those kind of problems. I'm never going to have to walk that road. So I thank the Lord for saving me from it because I've got an inheritance. See, I don't, I don't need the natural one because before I was like, oh, I don't have one. And the Lord's like, yes, you do. I, I have yours. Don't worry about it. So, oh, okay, super cool. So, um, so. She's talking and she's like, you know, I'm just so annoyed because, you know, my brother, we've got this hundred acres up there and we just need to sell it. And he's the only one that's not going to want to sell it. And we want to list it as soon as my parents die. And if you've had these kind of troubles in the family, you know what that's like. And, and she said, she said, do you understand what I'm saying? And I said, well, I said, let me tell you. I said, I want to understand what you're saying, but let me give you a little, little perspective for me. I said, last month, and this just happened not too long ago, my mama took me to her storage unit. And I was like, you have a storage unit? She lives in, you know, adult senior housing, and she's had a hard life. She's been, she's lived from her attempt on her life, and she has struggled. She's not a believer yet, but I think we're close and and she's had struggles with mental illness and bipolar disorder and multiple, and dissociative identity disorder. So it was, you know, she's had a, a lot of struggle. and We've had a hard way to go. So I'm really surprised that she has a, a storage unit in town. <laughs> like, I don't know what to think about this. And we open it up and she's and I said, Mama, you barely have enough money to get by. What? Why do you have a storage unit? And she said, the things I'm saving for you and the kids. And I said, what are you, what are you, what are you saving for us? Like, what do you have? And we open it up. And inside is Tupperware full of Polynesian dance costumes. <laughs> I swear to you, this is gospel truth. The Lord knows I'm standing here telling the truth. Now, there's a suitcase, a filing cabinet, and an old sewing machine. And she has it all mapped out for my kids, <laughs> you know, which who's going to get what. But what I'm going to get are the Polynesian dance costumes. <laughs> now, let me give you a little history on that. When my mom was 50, 
she decided that one of the things she missed out on in her life, because she was a dancer when she was younger, was she had always wanted to dance Tahitian. And she didn't get to do that. And she was 50 now, and she might not get another chance. So she joined a dance group for older ladies and began to hand make herself costumes, Tahitian dance costumes. And they took her hours and hours and hours put all these costumes together. And because she put so much into it, and it was such a labor for her, they are very meaningful to her. So she opened up the first Tupperware and showed me this skirt, that Tahitian thing. And by the way, when she took these lessons, she also favored our family with shows. Um, so she would, like Thanksgiving, and she would say, I bought my costumes and my tape. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you just got to make room for where people are, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. So I was like, okay. So we sat there while my 50 plus mom put on her Tahitian dance costume with her coconut bra, which she also made. Now y'all, if I'm lying, Jesus knows. I promise you. I, if my life wasn't like this, like imagine what person I would have been. I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes. So she pulls out that skirt and that coconut bra and she said, these are for you. So the whole time my friend's talking about land and money and jewelry, he's got a, her, her daddy has a safe downstairs full of jewels that he purchased like rough stones, you know, not even polished and set yet from India and Malaysia and coins and gold bars and silver bars. He's a giver. So he had resources, abundant resources. So he's been saving everything up for the zombie apocalypse so they could, you know, do that. He got a hundred acres of land and put it all wind powered and he's got gold bars, you know, so if you got to trade with gold, he was ready if it came. And so I told her, I said, well, you know, I love you and I, I want to, you know, pray for you and encourage you, but I'm getting a coconut bra. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the truth, you know? And so, and when I was talking about that, you know, w with her, I said, but I said, not to get super religious, but the father has assured me that I have more than a coconut bra. See, because, because sin and is designed to steal, kill, and destroy, what it steals is everything that the family could pass on to the generations. Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. The enemy doesn't just come to kill a life. I mean, doesn't that seem a little redundant, overbearing? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If any one of those things happens to you, it's pretty bad. So if you get all of them at once, wow. I mean, what, you know, steal, kill, and I mean, if you're killed, who cares if you're getting destroyed, right? So, you know, so, I mean, like this word is that basically what the enemy has come to do is wipe clean from the earth the existence of your family 
and any blessing that could have ever come through the conduit line. Because, see, we, t- we, we learn about generational curses, and they're important. We do need to learn about generational curses. We need to clear them up. We need to apply the blood to the doorposts and lintel, get past that. But, you see, there's generational blessing. And I don't have recollection of any. I have one grandfather who went to church that I knew about, and that's it. But I have to trust that the fact that I'm standing here preaching the gospel today is that somewhere in these generational lines, somewhere in Italy, Terry, or somewhere in Russia, Anyone who's Russian? (laughs) Somebody was preaching the gospel and said, Lord, my seed, don't forget my seed. Let this, let this get put into the generation. Let my investment that I've invested in your kingdom, let it go in. Isn't that what you want, sister? You said how hard you've worked. You're pioneering. You're not even just working. You're pioneering. So you're on the front line. You're working in this prison all the time. All of you who help. Don't you want to know that that investment, when you die, it doesn't just disappear into the atmosphere? I was telling pastors last night, My this we shared with y'all last fall, my mother got uh, breast cancer and, uh, and she had a double mastectomy and, and lymph dissection as well. So she lived with me for 30 days while she recovered from that. And within 10 days, my mother-in-law died. And within two weeks, my sister-in-law died. And within two weeks, my brother-in-law died. And in a period of months, and in the midst of that, I had a melanoma diagnosis and the skin cancer was spreading and growing. And I had four surgeries and it kept coming back. And so we had death and cancer and everything but the kitchen sink, you know, throwing at us, you know. And we were just... We were just like, well, let's just trust God. Because, folks, if I'm standing in all of that and all I got hope in is a coconut bra, what the heck, man? I'm going I'm to give it up, right? And, and, and we just saw God just supernaturally meet us at every place of, of loss and transition. And, and now, I told the pastors, since that, my Mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law all have ashes on my husband's console waiting for him to get back from Africa so he can take them up to New York and spread the ashes. And so, so they're there with me <laughs> in the house. And, um, and every time I walk through the entryway, which is a lot in the day, I see his office and those things are there. And I say, man, a vapor, that's all it is, Joanne. It's a vapor. Advance the kingdom. Advance the kingdom. Eat the food. Drink the wine. Hug the babies. Not to drunkenness. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't hear that wrong. I'm saying that live. That's what I'm saying. Live. Hug the babies. Be with the people you love. Advance the kingdom because we're working while the day is young, but there's going to come a point where your number's up. And I don't say that fearfully. I say it mindfully. I told them one of my good friends, they're in their 50s, Mother's Day. This couple been married long time, about 37 years, something like that. They got married young. They're, they're sitting at the restaurant Mother's Day celebrating. And he said, you know, I don't feel so well. I think I'm going to go to the bathroom. And he died and he went to heaven. He had a full, massive heart attack and he was gone. I mean, he was with her, and then he was with Jesus. 
you guys have experienced loss here, you know. And I say that not in a fearful way, but in a mindful way that we want to be sober, to be present, to be engaged, to be pursuing the inheritance the Lord has for us because I don't want the earth wiped clean of my family's influence and inheritance for the kingdom of God. I'm trusting that this sacrifice that that I've given for the kingdom, the sacrifice my husband's given for the kingdom, the sacrifice that this couple's given. Are the Hardys here today? I don't know. Okay. That they've given. You know, we have, if you've been saved any length of time, our sister here, Catherine, she sacrificed. The Lord, Lord said, guess what? You're going to birth something again. And she's birthing something new now. There's God don't care about age. This is the thing. We, we want to be mindful that we are up against an enemy that wants to wipe the earth clean of your influence for the kingdom of God. Now that, I don't mean, I'm, see, I'm not trying to make him look big. What I'm trying to do is make you feel sober. I'm throwing things now, Matthew, wherever you are, I'm throwing. Okay, the throwing has begun. Just re- everybody recognize the throwing has begun. All right, this is what we are contending for. But this is what King of Glory is contending for. It's contending for the fact that we have said many times, anybody in the church world knows that Asheville has been known as the graveyard of churches. And yet King of Glory has persevered through multiple testings, through multiple tribulations. Some of it was the enemy. Some of it was immaturity. Some of it they brought on themselves. Some of it was the learning curve. All of it designed to wipe out the influence of this church, this family, in this land but God. And what I'm here to tell you today, folks, is all you got in your storage shed from your family line is a coconut bra. Let me tell you, you have an inheritance. Go back to the screen before that. Um, Mike, if you don't mind, yes, go back to that one. I'm going to say it again. I want to make sure everybody gets it. One more back. Sorry. You are the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. It doesn't matter the brokenness. It doesn't matter what you went through or, or didn't go through. There's, there's none of that matter. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. Saints, the number one giver recorded in scripture was Abraham. And he had more than my friend's daddy has in that basement. And you are Abraham's seed. So when I started really, I mean, I've heard this sermon, you know, Bible school. I've heard this sermon for 40 years. But, but I never really applied it to me. Because I don't have any rich givers in my family. Well, I got going up for all y'all. I'm going to bring it. <laughs> I'm going to bring it next time we go. I'm going to show you. That was, all, that was all that was going to come. That was what was left to me after the enemy had ravaged my family line with sin and brokenness and iniquity 
and corruption and, and, and every manner of sin you can imagine. That was what I had left. But I and you are the seed of the most wealthy giver that ever walked this earth. All right, bump it back up there, Mike. So we're, so we're, we're wrestling for this. So what, so what we see in that scripture, go back to the one before this, just so I could reiterate that again. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, immature, that's what that means in the Greek, he is no different from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. See, you get to choose what kind of Christianity you're going to experience in this life. You can go to the next slide, Mike. Because you see, the key is here is maturity is what releases your inheritance. Not the conferences you go to and whether you can get every famous prophet in the land. You can go seek out every prophet you want, go to every conference, get them to prophesy over you. But as long as you are a child, you differ nothing from a slave in the house. You know what that looks like? The promised land or the wilderness. You want to wander? Because you don't have belief, you're not going to commit to the work. See, they saw the work. It was a 12-day trip to walk into the promised land. But there was work. They were going to have to work. They were going to have to grow. They were going to have to struggle. They were going to have to mature. And a lot of them said, oh, no. Mm -mm." And so, you know, God is so faithful. He says, you know what, you're still mine. You won't wander through this life. You wander. And I'll make sure your shoes don't wear out. And I'll, I'll throw you in a quail every now and then, give you a little piece of bread every day. You'll have enough food to eat. And you get you a chicken dinner on Sunday, and, and it'll be all right. I'll, I'll open up rocks to make sure you can drink. But it's your choice. We're still making that choice, saints. We're still making that choice. What do you want from this life? Because if you want your inheritance, if you want the promised land, if you want to cross over, then you can't be a child. You can't be immature because he's not going to give it to you. Who's going to hand $1,000? My husband always says all the time, I want a bag. I say, what do you want for Christmas? A bag of 50s. He's been telling me that for so many years. One of these years, I'm going to have enough extra to do it. I thought about it. I, one time I thought about doing Monopoly money, but I thought that might be kind of mean because then he might really hope there was money in there and it'd be Monopoly money. Like I could probably do two fifties right now, but that's, I think he means more, you know. One time we walked into Disney World at Christmas and Santa was sitting right up front and everybody walked over to Santa and said what they wanted and Santa was like smiling for the pictures to make the money and everything. And my husband walked over and sat by Santa and whispered in his ear and Santa burst out laughing and had to take a break and cry because my husband asked for a Cadillac CTS. <laughs> See, he's, he, he knows. He knows what he wants. He's looking not just for things I'm, I'm playing, but you see what I'm saying? If you want your inheritance, you're going to go to heaven. You wander and your shoes don't wear out and you get a chicken dinner every Sunday. You're going to be just fine. You're going to get to heaven just fine. But what do you want in this life? See, I don't want just a coconut bra. I'll, I'll take my coconut bra. My mom thought about it. She's, she's happy to give it to me. Did I mention my mom was a triple D? But anyway, I'm just saying, just, you know, give you a little point of reference there. So 
you know, just, you know, anyway. So I'm saying can hold a few things. We can pass, we can pass it for the offering. If we open another church, if we plant another work, we can disconnect it and just pass offering plate. People never know. They're like, what an odd offering plate, you know? And only we'll know and, and laugh privately. Ha, ha, ha. Try to give me a call. Go to broad devil. I fill it up with God's blessings. You can't name. You can't claim. You can't fast. You can't pray. You can't get Benny Hinn or Bill Johnson or anybody who moves in signs and wonders to give you your inheritance. Your inheritance comes from your father, and he doesn't give it to children. Keep going, Mike. I'm throwing things now, Matthew. Okay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> See, I had the sad face. Is everybody excited? Yay! We're talking about maturity. See, maturity is like, what? Who wants to hear about that? We want to hear about the other. But maturity is your ticket. It's your golden ticket. You just got to show up for the work. Let's keep going. Mature. Drawing from the power and resources within yourself. Maturity is the art of being responsible for your actions, being sensitive and considerate towards others, having the ability to change and adapt to circumstances. An emotionally mature person is always adding value to himself and those around him. Keep going, Mike. Thank you. Immature. Engages in the unpleasant behaviors of children. Wants things on their own terms. This is what I want from God, and this is how I want him to do it. Please sit still while I get you a pacifier and a sleepy blanket because you don't approach God on your own terms. See, this is the issue that people don't understand about that whole situation with the ark. He has a prescribed way, a prescribed way. And, you know, I used to feel bad for Uzzah. You know the story, they were moving the ark, and they're going down the road, and the cart stumbles because they don't have the prescribed way quite yet to move the, the, the presence of God. And they and Uzzah, it sincerely desiring to help, reaches out to steady it, and he dies. That seems kind of mean-spirited, doesn't it? Like, he's just a nice guy trying to help out. So you don't, but see, what that does is that brings that soberness back. You know, like I told you that you have with your kids every now and then. Hi. My daughter that time, she said, I'm finding myself. Let me find myself and slam that door in my face. I said, hi, can I introduce you to me? You don't know who you are, but I'm Joanne Arizaga. I haven't forgotten who I am. And while you try to find who you are, you better remember. You find who you are all you want. But you better remember who I am in that process because i got the power to mess your world up. <laughs> Blessing and cursing, baby. It's right here in this hand in this wallet. <laughs> no, I'm just crying. <laughs> I'm playing. Anyway, the point is that we immature people want to approach God on their own terms, and they want God to meet them on their terms. And let me tell you, God is not interested in your terms, but he will be patient with you while you're a baby. 
He will be patient with you during that time. You know a story of Cain and Abel, and they're out bringing their offering up to the Lord? That's another story where as a teacher, it kind of hurt my heart a little bit, you know? I mean, they both are taking the offering. It's not like he's at Baal's altar. He's at Yahweh's altar. One of them took what they were supposed to take, meat and blood, the, the sin offering, and the other one worked real hard and had brought a beautiful bouquet of squash and potatoes and tomatoes and flowers and fruits and vegetables that he labored for. And they brought it up to God. And God rejected his offering. And he said, you better watch yourself. He said, because Satan is at the door. What was he saying to him? What are you doing here approaching me on your terms? I don't care how hard you worked or how sincere you are. You approach me on my terms. And then he showed us his terms and he showed us sacrifice beyond belief. And he sent his son and he paved the way and he built a bridge back to us of redemption. And if you get on that bridge, you get to go in and you get to have the inheritance and you get it all. You get everything and he keeps track and he's fair and he's just and he's and he's generous and you get it all. But you've got to go the prescribed way. Keep going, please, Mike. This is Abigail Elizabeth Womble. She is my fifth grandchild. See, I feel like my exhorters high today. I even put pictures up of my own child. You know, exhorters feel like if you see pictures of them or their family that your life has improved just because you saw it. That's why they put their picture on everything. You know, because they're like, hey, your life just got better because you saw my face. I remember when um, they, the Fines were having their first grandchild and Amy uh, came in and said, don't forget about this face and sent a picture like, ah, you know, and other people look at that and go, oh, you're just an attention hog. No, we're just celebrating everybody, you know. So this is Abigail Elizabeth Womble, and I picked her up last week from uh, her mama at work. And I was going to have her for the day because my daughter had court. And uh, you can't take your babies to work when you're a lawyer. So um, so she's going to spend a day with Grandma. And she gets in the car, and I said, Abby, what do you want to do? And she said, Petsa. I said, okay. I'm, I'm scanning the banks of motherhood and grandma world. What is Petsa? Petsa. What's the pet something that she wants? What is that? And so I said again, wait, Petsa. And we kept going. And I so we got to the house, and I said, are you hungry? What do you want? She said, Petsa. And I realized she was saying pizza. It was 8.30 in the morning. You know I opened up that freezer, got that frozen pizza out, and I surely did cook it. I called her mama though first, just to make sure it was okay to give her pizza at 8.30 in the morning. I said, well, I text her. She's in court. I said, can Abby have pizza for breakfast? She said, mom, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, I'm in court. Changing the world. Take care of the pizza yourself. So, so she had pizza. A little while later, I said, Abby, what do you want to do? She said, Petsa. I said, oh, okay. We got to lunch. Guess what we had? Petsa. It was a whole day of Petsa. Every time I said, what do you want to do? It was Petsa. And I cut up another slice. Next slide, Mike. And there she is. 
sitting at my counter in her kitchen, watching TV on the screen in the kitchen, eating her pizza. You see, why did Abigail get a pizza at 8.30 in the morning? Because she's a baby. Why'd she get it at lunchtime? Because she's a baby. Why'd she get it at supper time, snack time? Because she's a baby. And when people are babies and they're young, you make room for childish behavior. You see, when you're a child, you should be a night child. You should get your pizza. But then there comes a point where all you want to do is eat pizza, and you can't because you've grown now. Keep going, Mike. See, when you're a baby, that's, that's Abigail and her grandpa after he married my son, his son too. But, you know, really, I grew them and pushed them out. So technically, I'm just... <laughs> And all the women said. Anyway. So, so there she is, her grandpa. See, look at look at that. He's leaning over, her little toy, just precious. Keep going. Mike, there we go. See, as we worship and we grow and we're in the light of his presence and the rain of his presence and the sun of his presence and the winter of his presence, we're still cute to him. And he still loves us, but the expectations change. Keep going, Mike. See, what he's looking for is this, a full-grown, fully developed person, full of his spirit, that he can lavish his inheritance on. How many of y'all going to put a whole wad of money, cash or paycheck, and put it in your four-year-old's hand? Anybody? How many of y'all going to take a weapon and put it in a four-year-old's hand? My husband's AR saves people's lives. But in the hands of a child, it could kill everyone in the house. You see, it's not that the Lord is saying, grow up or you get nothing. It's that you can't be trusted with anything when you're a child. Because all you're sitting there doing is say, meet me on my terms. I want you to do this, and I want you to do it this way. I want my pets up. And God's like, all right, well, you're going to get bread and a chicken on Sunday, but you ain't you're not going to get all this. And see, the thing is, is that's not his heart's desire. His heart's desire is to lavish you. He doesn't want you to have a coconut bra in the kingdom. He wants you to have... All that he wants to lavish on you. Those of you who have resources in this life, aren't you welcoming, excited about the opportunity to leave those resources to your seed for the next generation to see what they do for the kingdom and in this world? That's what we're looking for, right? The Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children. You know, people think, oh, well, that means you save a lot of money and you leave it to your kids. No, what that means is righteousness sustains the inheritance through the generation, whether it's a prophetic inheritance or it's actually cash money or it's jewelry or it's it's giftings or it's vision. Elise was sharing, she was reading this week in Dr. Caroline Leaf's book about how generational trains of thought come through the bloodline. So you can have negative trains of thought, like why don't we go and rob that bank? 
And you're like, where'd that come from? Everybody's like, it's the devil. You know, just for a pause, let's put a pause. You understand that the devil is not omnipresent, right? So the chances that any of us have actually encountered the devil, slim to none. One, one being in one place. There was a lady in our church used to come in all the time, and, and she would say, I was out in the backyard watering those flowers, and I tripped over that hose, and I knew it was the devil because that hose was flat down, and it came up, and I knew the devil raised it. And I'm thinking, hmm, everything going on in the world. If I was the devil, I'd be at the U.N., or I'd be at the World Bank, or I'd be in Russia, or, you know, or some, you know, they like I'd be in a strategic place trying to make some mess happen. I would not be in some old lady's backyard in North Carolina whipping up a hose just to laugh about it. Now, I'm saying we encounter darkness, okay? But, you know, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, I'm not going to say you haven't encountered the devil, but I think it's highly unlikely, you know, unless you're the next Billy Graham or something trying to shut down the whole move of God. I'm pretty sure you just got some lower-level mess that you're contending with, you know? But anyway, back to the trains of thought. So so I was thinking last night about what Elise was saying, and, and you know, what Dr. Leaf is trying to talk about in that point is that you can have negative patterns of thought. You're worthless. You're worth nothing. You're never going to succeed. No one's going to love you. Like if it was that strong in the generational line that it brought an indentation into the DNA and then it got passed on to you, had to be pretty strong. But what about those of us who have indented the DNA with God is good and his mercy endures to a thousand generations. And so my child, because, you know, I've had children act like they were raised in Egypt. Well, I'll tell you, that will mess with your head. You know, when you got you raise the children in the kingdom, you homeschooled, you sacrificed everything, you sang the songs, did the dance, prayed the prayers, and then somebody going to act like they were raised in Egypt. Woo, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find out about unconditional love then. But see, what I'm thinking is imagine you got your child going what I call off the rails, acting a fool. And then, but those generational trains of thought are in there that say God is good and his mercy endures to a thousand generations. I'm an heir according to the seed of Abraham. And my father's got my inheritance set at an appointed date. See, that's the kind of stuff we have the power to sow into our children, not just hearing it in this ear, but literally through the generations. Man, God has given us such a wealth of opportunity. Don't you want to grow up? You know, man, Peter Pan syndrome's got to go. You know, let's grow up. Let's do the work. We could keep going, Mike. A mature person engages their spirit and lives from led by their spirit where an immature person is subject to being led by their soul and their body. Now, see, I I preached on this last time I was here about letting the spirit come into that place, drive the car, let it teach the body and the soul what it's what what it doesn't what's not best. See, go to the next one, Mike. 
But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sends its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these two are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is here. It's now. It's present. And if this is your practice, if you're practicing sin, you won't inherit here. You weren't supposed to inherit only when you die. You're supposed to inherit here. The kingdom of God is here. It's present right now. It's tangible. You can put your hand in it. We're standing in it. We're seated in it. There's an inheritance right here. But if you're led, if your car of your life is being driven by your soul or your body, where those desires are, instead of learning to be mature and live from the spirit man, you will not inherit here, although you make it to heaven. You see, he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now those belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See how he starts? See what he starts with? But if I say walk in the Spirit, and all the time Paul says walk in, be led by, walk in, be led by, walk in, be led by. See, that's why I teach redemptive gifts because redemptive gifts teaches you what is available to you in the Spirit. The Spirit is like your savings account where all the resources are. The checking account is your daily use. That can go down low. But the savings account's where you go when you're going to make a big purchase, where you draw out that big money. And some of you are going, what? I don't have that. <laughs> okay, you're going to get on board for this and learn, and you're going to get an inheritance in this life. Come on, throw those coconut broad dreams down. That's what I'm going to call this word, coconut broad dreams. Throw it down. Throw it down. Let's believe for that savings account. Let's believe that those resources are there to reach into. But that's the spirit man. But see, you're in a generation right now that says any desire from the soul or the body is to be honored. And people are going straight off a cliff. I tell young people all the time, they come to me about holiness issues. They say, well, you know, why, why should I practice holiness, morality? Well, most of the time, people just tell the church, they just tell them because it's a sin and God said no. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not enough to combat the, the DNA that's saying find a mate, reproduce, find a mate, reproduce. It happens right about 14, 15 years old. And the signal, it's like a beacon. Boom, it goes off. And it says find a mate, reproduce, find a mate, reproduce, find a mate. No, because see, this is the thing. When you're young and that strong, you got to learn how to live from your spirit. You got to learn how to crucify. You say to the body, you are not the boss of me. You get over in that passenger seat. Give me those keys, you crazy fool. You about to run us off a cliff. 
grandchildren going to get nothing but a dang coconut bra because you got to act on every fleshy, lustful thing you're feeling. It is not bad to want to have sex. It's not bad to want to be intimate. What is What the Lord is trying to teach us is you have a chance in your youth to wrangle that order, to get that spirit man first that says to the soul, mind, will, and emotions, and to the body, get in order. That's a good desire you have. And one day you're going to get able to act on it, but not today. Go to the gym, work out, sweat, go to a dance class. I don't care what, go rock a baby. I don't care what you got to do. But you manage your business and you teach your body who's in control. Because if your body is going to lead you through this life, saints, you ain't leaving nothing but a coconut bra. You're going to run right off the cliff. And it's a struggle. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy. But we got all these people right now saying love is love and everything my body desires, it should have. Do you know that there's a TV show coming out? on this new line of thinking called polyamorous. And the girl is married to a man and a woman because she's gender neutral. And so she is pushing, I see the preview. She's pushing the husband and the wife together, her husband and her wife, there's three of them, and she's pushing them together. And she says, oh, for God's sake, just have sex so we can all get along without fighting. People. What? Don't let your body drive. Honor your body. Honor your desires of your body, surely. But don't let it drive. Because I'm going to tell you, when you're married and you do have access to that, they're going to be celibate times, y'all. <laughs> you ain't having that business every day for multiple reasons. There's illness, fatigue, wars, <laughs> rumors of wars. I don't know. People have babies. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, okay, sex is, marriage is not a sex fest. But it's an important part of marriage. And I, and I want everybody, I want to teach the church to be sexually healthy because God wanted you to be sexually healthy and enjoy it. But if you can't control the body now, what makes you think when you get married and the body said, I like her right over there, or I like him, that coworker who looks at you so nice every day. What you think all of a sudden you're just going to be able to tell the body no because you're married? I I counsel married people all the time that don't know how they ended up committing adultery. I'm not against adulterers. I'm not against fornicators. I'm not against anyone. I've been all those things. We didn't get saved until we were in our 20s. Yo, we got saved. We weren't those people that come in like the batting courts. Oh, yay, look at Mike and his lovely wife, and they sing and they dance and they have beautiful children. And We were crazy as hell. My husband's Puerto Rican from New York. I, I got a coconut bra. I mean, we came into this thing messed up. You see, so don't hear judgment from me. Because what I'm not, I'm not speaking you judgment. I'm speaking you principle. 
You better make sure if you're going to fight the holiness battle, you fight it for the right reason. Because you determine what kind of person you want to be. And if you fall, then you get back up and say, that's not the person I want to be. This is the person I want to be. Body, soul, imagination. You get in line because you are not the boss of me. I am the boss of me. And see, what happens is when you begin to understand redemptive gifts and you understand that your spirit is all seven, see, then like today, I just dipped into my spirit and pulled on that exhorter. I'm talking about the storehouse of God. I got the prophet because I'm confronting sin. I got the teacher because I'm healing. I got more exhorter because I had to put a picture up of my grand young. And don't y'all feel better for it? You see what I'm saying? You see, when you, when you start to get into maturity, you just reach in there. What do you need from God's storehouse to do? What did you need? You needed pioneering. You need ideas. She said, I had no idea and there was no model to follow. How'd you like that to be your job? Guess what I'd like you to do, Howard? Something. Lord, could you narrow that down now? I'd like you to do something for mothers. I mean, that's all she had. There's no model. She had to, she had to go to the father and say, Father, I... I've been, I've been doing the work to grow up. And now here I am. It's time for the work. I'm going to need something. I'm going to need some of my inheritance. You see, when you, when you start to do the things you're called to do, you're going to need the resources to invest. That's the way it works. Investment and enlargement. That's what you get at the beginning of a money future before it matures. You invest for enlargement. That's exactly how the father works. See, they think they figured it out. That's his thing. Okay, keep going, Mike. We're going to finish this up. All right. We are living in a generation that is demanding pizza. And we got plenty of churches that are tolerated. And you know, saints, you can't make a baby grow up. Are you a new Christian or a Christian who's been in a church where it was all about a cult of personality and it's about the leadership and all of the people's resources were taken for the leaders and everything was about the leaders and so there's still a bunch of children it's not their fault but that growing process is crucial to people getting their inheritance and we have an obligation in this hour not only because of the mindset of the culture because of the mindset of the church that's got a whole lot of people asking for pets on saying just love them well sure if they're babies I love them but if you've been here four years and you're still acting like a baby, we might need to sit down and say, why? Why? Why is everything got to be on your terms? Why can't you take correction? Because, see, if you're going to foster an environment that's going to grow people up, there's very specific things that have to happen. Keep going, Mike, please. We need maturity to do the job. See, every one of you will have a job that you've been called to do in this life, a job. Do you know God gave Adam and Eve jobs in Eden, right? They had jobs. And you know what happens when you get jobs? You get people, and then you get problems. It just goes like a chain of events. You get people, you get problems. There's always problems if there's people. You know that, first of all. But when you get a job, you get problems with people. And see, the remnants of charismania tells you God doesn't want you to have any problems. 
Well, see, that's not true. God wants you to have problems, the problems he sends you, because you can't get what's in you out until the problem presents itself for you to solve it. See, people are like, babies, why is this happening to me? Why is God letting this happen? I prayed, I worried, I did all that I don't understand. We need to have a completely different mindset about problems and difficulties. Because when we come up to that problem and say, oh, what are you here to reveal in me? Ha <laughs> ha. I have no idea how we're going to solve this problem. It's a big mess. It doesn't matter if it's financial. It doesn't matter if it's moral. It doesn't matter if it's relational. It doesn't matter if it's business. The problems are what bring out of you the things you didn't even know were in you. Isn't that an amazing way? See, my exhorter's high, right? Look at this, man. I'm turning negatives into positives. Next time someone says, I'm going to say kind of, kind of, sort of, some days. Anyway, keep going. The job. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Saints, that's the job. Next screen, Mike. This is my last screen. I'm going to tell you about my dream and what I saw for the first. This is the Greek, just so you know I'm not lying. Reconciliation. Restoration to favor. That is the job. Restoration to favor. That's what reconciliation means there in the Greek. Restoration to favor. Get past the coconut bra. Get past the emotional brokenness. Get past the woundedness. Get past all of the problems or the lack of leadership or the lack of training. See, the, the most dangerous thing about abuse and neglect isn't the abuse and neglect. Those wounds are deep and they need to be addressed. I know that. But the most dangerous thing that ever happened to me is that abuse and neglect left me childish and immature, and self-destructive. That was way more dangerous to me. I have another book that I have on the back burner since I'm trying to write the Strong's Concordance of Redemptive Gifts right now. And it's called Tall Children. And it's about being a chronological age, one age, but identifying where immaturity is, is camouflaged in your life. And, and, and you're struggling from the selfish and unpleasant ways of childishness because it will ruin you as fast as iniquity and sin. Saints, it's time to grow up. It's time to want more than to wander in the wilderness in this life. It's time to be restored to favor. So let me tell you what I saw. I had a dream about the church last night. And I heard the Lord make an announcement over the church. And um, in this dream, I saw a woman. She had a baby. 
and she sold it. And I was devastated that the brokenness in her life caused her to sell. And actually, it wasn't a baby. It was about a seven-year-old little girl. Now that I'm, I want to make sure I'm accurate about that. It was a little girl. And, and she sold her. And I was running to try. I was trying to enter the dream to run to get her back. But then I realized it wasn't my dream. It was a vision I was watching. And then I saw another scene. And I saw a woman who was walking with the same seven-year-old little girl. And it was a snowstorm. And they were walking like this through it. And it was, it was like a blizzard. And, and this is not the kind of snow that is a symbol of favor in a dream. This is about a lack of love. This is about pressing in through coldness and abandonment in that winter type of time where everything is frozen. There's no warmth. There's no love. And she was walking and she came over to a teepee and she came in and she said, look what I found. And she turned to the little girl and she came into the teepee and she brought the little girl with her and the teepee sides wrapped around the lady and the little girl. And when I woke up, I heard King of Glory has been in a transition phase. And there are people who didn't make it through this transition. They sold the work. See, when, when, when a church is growing, it goes through phases just like adulthood. It starts out as a baby. It's a new work. And there's things that get done well and things that don't get well. I started a church with my husband, and we had four people when we started. I know what it's like to pioneer work and then to be with that work for 20 years. Churches grow just like a business. A new business is a, like a new family. It's not a bad thing. It's just the stages. And one gave away, she sold away the work, the young, because a woman is the church in a, in a dream. And this was a girl, about seven years old, the completeness, that work. But another pressed through the coldness and went into the teepee. And I was looking at it, I was like, okay, Lord, what is that? What, a teepee? And I'm like, a so I got out my dream book, Barbie Breathitt, the Encyclopedia of Dreams, and said a teepee is a tent, tent of meeting, the church, the house. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, Swananoa. I'm real fast on the uptake there, right? First Nation, got it, the church. And then I heard, as soon as I got it, and I realized that that teepee, that wrapped its arms around that woman and that child in that cold, blister, blustery environment, I heard the Lord say, King of Glory is going to be a place where people are refamilied. You know, the reason that you have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and grandparents and all that, if you get that, is so that you can mature. Do you know that's the whole purpose of children? How, I mean, if you have a baby, I mean, they're kind of sad when they, don't they grow fast? And it's like it's almost kind of love, a little bit the more they do, and you're like, oh, the little baby, you know. But then you really want to sleep and, you know, other things. So you're like, yeah, grow up, grow up. And then, you know, when they're potty trained and you're not, and there's not on diapers anymore, and you're like, whoo, 
we made it through that. And then when they can do their own, it's like, it's a relief, you know, and then when they leave and they stop taking your money, it's an even better relief. So I'm just saying, you know, like it's a relief. The whole point of a family is to grow people up so they can mature. But if the church family is a toxic place, everybody stays childish. I've been in churches, you can't tell anybody anything. And I mean, there's a way to correct people. But what I'm saying is, is in a family, what do you get? You get love. You get security. You get guidance. You get provision. You get a whipping when you need it. Right? No, not abused, ideally. But that's what it is. All of that, love, provision, safety, guidance, correction, discipline, punishment, all of it together eventually leads to what? Your family passes, and what do they do? They pass on to you the inheritance. And now it's on you to make sure that their family's name and influence is not wiped off the face of the earth. That's what a family does. That's what a church family does. And I heard the Lord say this is going to be a place to be refamilied. When the Lord made it clear to me that I was going to go back into ministry, because I really thought I was going to retire and just make pets the rest of my life, um, I think about, well, who, who was I going to align myself with? at that point, because I had resigned. I resigned my ordination, everything. And when and when the when I went to see a particular prophet, I don't want to get into a lot of name people, but name people were there, a lot of name people, and one of the prophets said, You're not done, and they heard that and they were like, Hey, we'll we'll give you an office tomorrow. Where do you want to what do you want? Come join us. I was like, well, I'm praying, I'm praying. A lot of people, not not tons, but a handful said, Joanne, the, the minute you're ready. Another ministry, extremely well-to-do, extremely successful ministry, called me, wasn't even at the ministry, said, we heard that you're going to re-enter ministry. You, the minute you're ready, call us. Whatever you need, we're here. We got a staff, websites, resources. We want you, we want to support you. We want you here with us. I said, Thank you so much. I'll let you know. My husband and I are praying. Guess who I saw in the spirit? Pastor Sam. I saw his face smiling. <laughs> the same face that snaps pictures of bears. And I said, okay, like pray for Pastor Sam or like, are you saying like, that's the plan, you know? And then more dreams and visions came that I came here and, and in, in the next dream, I had a sweater on and I have only one sweater by this brand, Free People. And I was here and I was wearing this green sweater and I was in the pulpit. And I knew the Lord was saying that if I was willing to align myself here, that the covering over me would be a covering of freedom a covering of a place of being re-family. See, I already have all the trophies religion would like to offer. 
And I, I surely do not desire to serve that any longer. Not that that's all I've done, but I've, I've been there. I've, I've done, I've got the mixed bag. I've got the history of the mixed bag, as most of us do and are still in the process of. But when, so, so not that I'm any special gift. I don't know. Pastor Sam and Liza are probably like, oh, the Lord told you us. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you, 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 you're a little, you seem a little erratic. Like you might be a little hard to handle. You telling people change names, coconut bras, whatever. We don't know what to expect from you. You might be a little more than we're ready for. I don't know what they're thinking. But my husband said, he said, this, he said, Joanne, this is the Lord. And now my husband and I are both ordained. And that's why I'm here doing appointments. And that's why I'm here again, because this is now, this is our covering. This is our home church. And this is where we're going to keep sowing because that's how the kingdom works. Now, I was, was doing that before I heard that this is going to be a place to be refamilied. The last thing I, the next thing I heard was it's going to be a place where people can mature. Well, that's exciting except that that means the children are coming. <laughs> All the people that want to play trumpets and worship and everything and do their own thing and approach God on their own terms because they're so sincere, you should love it. You should love everything they want to do because you, you're God and you should love. Love is love. I got news for you, saints. Love ain't love. The children are coming. But then so are the people who will who will say, you, 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 it's time to leave childish things behind. It's all right, you've been a child. It's all right, you're messing your pants. Sure, we'll change your diaper for a little bit. And then God shows you a set of stairs and says, come up higher. So time to grow up. And this is the last thing I heard. A place to be restored to favor. A place to be reconciled. This is going to be a place where people can come and be childish, be neglected, be abused, or untrained. You ever, you ever met people who don't have home learning their children? <laughs> come in, sit up in your house, put their feet on the furniture, open your refrigerator, you know, all kinds of things. You're like, good gracious, you don't have any home learning. <laughs> what in the world? What's wrong with you people? What, what are you doing up in here? I had, I had a party recently at my house for some friends they wanted to host a party at my house because it's large and we're close friends and I mean they tore that house up I mean they just they broke things and hit it in my butler's pantry didn't even tell me they broke them I mean I'm walking in and I'm like well these people have no home learning what's wrong with them <laughs> you know what in the world is all this going on see that's what happens when you're going to be a place of refuge when you're going to be a place where people can mature but see also what's going to happen is the people are here if the babies are coming, that means you got to grow up so you're not the baby. You got to be the big brother, or the big sister. It's your turn to carry the diaper bag. See, we had we had a system in our house because you know my husband was always been saving the world, and we had a lot of kids, you know. And so, the, one of my systems was whoever brought the baby bag in was responsible to immediately, before they did anything else, go to the nursery and refill the diapers and the clothes and the wipes and the things. Because you know how many times, if you wait till you're ready to leave to get the baby bag ready, you're going to make yourself late. And then how many times do you need to leave on a, like that, 
and then the baby bag's not ready and you get there and you don't have a change of clothes and you don't have the teething medicine. And so I came up with this system. So, you know, my children came up with a system too. Nobody grabbed the baby bag <laughs> because whoever grabbed it was had the job to do. So I assigned days of the week to whose job it was to get the baby bag because everybody going to grow up in this house. Okay, because we got four kids and two of them half crazy. So we got to have big brothers and sisters who can manage these other two because, you know, that prophet and mercy, they like to make me, you know, go crazy because um, I had to grow up, <laughs> you know. So we had systems. Everybody has to grow up. It's time. It's time because they're coming. They're coming. The babies are coming. They've been neglected. They've been on train. And what they don't need when they get here is your judgment. And they don't need you to, to make fun of their diaper. What they need is a brother and sister who says, oh, here's your pacifier. Good gracious, you cry a lot, don't you? <laughs> Let me see. You got teeth coming in? I reckon I got some, some uh, thing to put on the gum in there. You're not, yeah, you know? And then you got like a little jack-jack and you say, oh, you're going to need an appointment with Pastor Joanne <laughs> because you look like a sweet little baby till you get upset and then you look like the devil. So you got something going to have to be cast out of you. If you, if you all see Incredibles, you know, right? Little jack-jack. Yeah, okay. See, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying there's a lot with the babies. You got to be ready for the babies, but you got to grow up. You got to determine what kind of person you want to be. You can be led by your body. You're going to be led by your soul. It's a work, people. It's no easy job. I'm not going to lie to you. It's work. It's dying to the flesh. It's crucifying the flesh. It's accountability. It's, it's being willing to take correction, willing to receive the love that the house has to give you. Ooh, a lot of people don't know how to receive love. So I've told you what's coming, and I came here to do what I do, prophesying this church forward. This is going to be a place where people can be refamilied. This is going to be a place where people can mature. And this is going to be a place of reconciliation where people are restored to favor. Get ready now. Get the baby bags ready. Get yourself ready. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for King of Glory. I thank you for Pastor Sam, Pastor Eliza, and the leaders here. I thank you for the leaders who've been here in the past who fought the fight and the members who fought the fight. Lord, release to them the reward of faithfulness. For those called in this season, for this, for this new move, for this next move, and the stage of growth that this church is in, Lord, give, the, give, give a revelation, Lord, that there's way more than that coconut bra and that storage you. Open the eyes of the heart that inspire all of us to want to grow up. Lord, you know that's been the struggle. The things you've shown me, the things I'm called to, to try to just get there where you could trust it on my shoulders. Lord, I stand as the chief of sinners here today. I don't, I don't stand pointing fingers at anybody. I stand as the chief of those who suffer from Peter Pan syndrome, who would like to stay immature and, and wander sometimes. But, Lord, you know my heart. I want to grow. And I sense that this is the heart of this church and the heart of this leadership. 
They're ready, Lord. They're ready for that next. And they're showing up for the work. And we're going to see transformation in the lives of people here first. And then the babies are coming. And more than babies are coming too. So, Lord, when you've always told me that when a church is willing to take who nobody wants, you give them who everybody wants. So, Lord, send those people too. Send those that are whole and with resources and, and strength in their arms and their hearts and love to give, to bear up under the weight. And, Lord, let, let King of Glory in this next season just wrap its arms around those that have suffered in this season. Lord, have your way. And at that appointed date, release the inheritance. I bless this church. I bless this church to be a place where it's, you can be refamilied, a place of maturity, a place of restoration to favor, that no person's name or bloodline that submits themselves to this house would ever have their name or bloodline wiped from the face of the earth. I'm asking big, Jesus. You've taught me to believe big. When you were in the garden, you said, I got everybody except the one that was never mine. That's 100% retention. So, Lord, I'm asking for those who come here, can the blessing be? that there is no coconut bra only, that their name and their influence and your goodness on their bloodline endure to a thousand generations. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.